0: Good morning, good morning. morning. It's good to have everyone here this morning on Palm Sunday and uh, it's a beautiful day to be in the Lord's house and uh, we have quite a few announcements. uh, Well, we have a number of announcements in the bulletin and uh, but other than the announcements in the bulletin, does anybody have anything else uh, that didn't make it into the bulletin that uh, they would like to make an announcement of this morning? any other announcements all right um, Ian is going to say a little something about the uh, yes
1: yeah, so I just wanted to keep everyone informed about the events coming up this week for Easter so today's Palm Sunday so we're a week out from Easter so you've got uh, times of services here in the service um, we celebrate a Monday Thursday service here at Liberty and so that'll be thursday night um, instead of our prayer meeting uh, we'll meet here at 7 pm for a Monday thursday service Um is a weird word it, it comes from the latin mandatum which is christ's new commandment i give you a new commandment which is to love one another and he gave that the, the evening before he was arrested the evening of his last supper okay so on on thursday we'll walk through the events of the the last supper and christ's evening with his disciples there and consider the events of the the cross and maundy thursday despite its strange name is one of my favorite services of the whole year and so i'd encourage you if you want to prepare your heart for easter come and join us on on thursday and then easter sunday uh, bright and early 6 a.m we'll meet for our sunrise service here at the church we'll We'll have a brief service out on the lawn and then a big breakfast Uh, and that will be a potluck breakfast so if you can't bring anything come anyways but if you if you if you do come and you can bring something please bring something and we'll trust that the lord will uh will fill our table to overflowing and then uh, we won't have sunday school on sunday morning but we will have our easter worship service at the usual time 10 30 a.m and rejoice together in the resurrection of jesus and um i think it's been a little bit of back and forth but we've decided we will have fellowship time after the service Uh, probably probably scaled down because we assume probably some folks will want to stay home uh, to go home after the service Um, uh, but for those who would like to stay uh, we will have a fellowship time after the service on easter um Uh, In the bulletin as well, there's information about the hands at the Capitol event. So it won't be hands around the Capitol because it'll actually be inside the Capitol uh, building uh, this year. It's a pro-life event put on by the pro-life movement in Maine. And uh, so I'd encourage you to to attend that if you're able to. Uh, And uh, there'll be all kinds of information there uh, about how to support the pro-life movement in Maine, uh, particularly as the whole question of of abortion legislation has been moved now to the state level. And so I encourage you to either to attend or to pray for that event. Uh, And there's more details at at mainrighttolife.com. And there's also a note in there about the National Day of Prayer, which is coming up about a, a month from now. We'll give you more details on that as that time approaches. Thank you.
0: Well, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house today. And we think of many countries and places in the world where people are not allowed to, to worship and they are imprisoned or put to death for their faith. We pray that you would watch over those individuals in those countries this morning that you would give them strength, that you would help them through their difficulties. And we pray that you would help us each and every day to live for you and we live in a country where we're free to do that and sometimes we may be a little bit lax. We pray that you'd help us be faithful in serving you. Give us a desire to know more about you. Help us to be in your word. We pray that you would watch over our service this morning, as this is Palm Sunday. We pray that you would uh, watch over us this week as we go into the Easter Sunday next week, and that we would be thinking of your son Jesus that died on the cross for us and was raised from the dead, that we might have eternal life with him. So we thank you for this service. We pray that you would bless it. We pray that everything that we say and do would be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And our call to worship will be on the back page of your bulletin. And if you would like to stand and sing, we will then uh, sing number 24 in your green book. Let's stand for our call to worship and we'll read responsively. Open to me the gates of righteousness
1: that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord.
0: This is the gate of the Lord.
1: The righteous shall enter enter through it.
0: I thank you that you have answered me and and have become become my salvation. salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become become the cornerstone. cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O O Lord, we we pray, give us success. success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We We bless bless you from from the house of the Lord. The Lord Lord is good.
2: And he (laughs) has made his light to shine upon us.
0: Bind the festal sacrifice with cords. Up to the horns Horns of of the altar. altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For For his steadfast love endures forever. forever. Amen, Amen. and if you would remain standing, we will sing number 24 in the Green Book. Number 24. Thank you. And now would the ushers come forward for the morning offering, please. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we again thank you for the opportunity that we have to give. You have blessed us so much in in this country, and we have so much compared to so many other people in this world, and sometimes we forget to be thankful as we look around us and we see people that have so much more than we do perhaps, but you have blessed us and all that we have is from your hand. We pray that you would take this offering, you would bless it, bless each one that is able to give and those that weren't able to give. We pray that this offering would be used to glorify you and spread your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning will be found in John 12, Starting with verse twelve and going through verse uh, through verse thirty-six, and that will be on page eight hundred and forty-five in your pew Bible, John chapter twelve. We're we'll beginning in verse twelve. The next day he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said uh, to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip went and told Andrew The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become the sons of light. And may the Lord bless the, oh, when, I'm sorry, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them, amen. may the Lord bless the reading of his word today. And if you would turn now with me to number 311 in your blue book, we will sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Let's stand and sing verses, let's sing all five verses of 311. Hallelujah.
3: With His blood, Hallelujah! What a Savior! Guilty, vile, and helpless, we spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah! What a Savior! Up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Hallelujah! What a savior! When he comes, our glorious king, all his ransomed homes. Hallelujah. What a Savior.
0: Amen. You may be seated. Thank you.
1: Amen. What a Savior we have. And it's to that Savior that we go now in prayer. Let's come to the Lord together in prayer. We come to you this morning, Father, and we praise you in the wonderful words of Ephesians 2. We praise you that when we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, that you, God, being rich in mercy, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have saved us. And you have raised us up with him, all all of us who believe, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, you might show us the immeasurable riches of grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved by faith. Yeah. And this is not our own doing. We acknowledge, we acknowledge it and we praise you for it, that this is a gift from you, not a result of works. None of us can boast. For we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which you prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As we come to you this morning and as we praise you for your grace and as we marvel at your love and at your might and at your power, we acknowledge in the light of your holiness and of your love that we are sinners. Your kindness, Father, leads us to repentance. And we acknowledge even this week that we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. We ask now, O Lord, that you would have mercy on us, that you would spare those who confess their faults, that you would restore those who are repentant according to the wonderful promises which you have made unto all people in Christ Jesus. And we ask, Father, that for his sake you would grant to us to live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Let's take a moment now to confess our sins unto God. Hear now the word of God to all who truly turn to him. From Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us in Christ. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion towards those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What riches you have given us in Jesus. We praise you and we thank you, Father. It's a wonder to know, Lord Jesus, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And it gives us great boldness to come to you knowing that you hear us. I ask your blessing, Lord, over all the events which are up- upcoming. I think especially if the uh, uh, Hands at the Capitol rally on Tuesday, I pray your blessing over that event. I pray your blessing over the life movement in Maine, uh, which is advocating for the, the rights of these small ones, these, uh, these unborn ones. And um, I pray, Lord, um, against the, uh, the uh, effort in Maine even to extend abortion later into pregnancy. I pray, Lord, that you protect these small ones, that you grant repentance to the hearts of the people of Maine and of the people of America, that we would see the grave injustice and the blood on our hands that we would hear the voices crying up from the soil, that we'd repent of our sins and turn to you and seek to advocate and to protect the least of these instead of killing them. I pray your blessing, Lord, over the events of this Holy Week. I pray that you'd be at work in our hearts even today, this Palm Sunday, that you'd bless the services on Monday, Thursday, and and then on Easter morning, that this would be a time of the year where you draw us to yourself, where you show us with, with newness and with freshness the wonder of knowing Jesus, the power of his death and the might of his resurrection. We ask, Lord, that you'd be at work amongst our congregation, that you'd protect and deliver us from blindness of heart, from pride and vanity and hypocrisy, from envy and hatred and malice. Lord, deliver us. That you would deliver us from disordered and sinful affections. That You'd free us from the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We ask you, Lord, that you would govern this church by your word. We know that we belong to you. This place belongs to you. Those who lead here lead only as followers of you. And so we ask that you'd govern this church well, that you'd be at work not only in our church but in the churches of our county and of our state and of our nation and all over the world. Lord, that you would... um, that you would fill those who lead your church with your Holy Spirit, with boldness in teaching your word with the right understanding. We ask that you'd send forth laborers into the harvest. We know your promises that the harvest is is ripe, but the laborers are few. Make us laborers in your fields. Make us bold in sharing the gospel with our neighbors. Pray that you'd raise up teachers and preachers uh, in the church for the next generation. I pray that you'd raise up a new generation of elders in our church. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring us into the way of truth, that you'd open our minds to see any ways in which we've been deceived, and that with the light of the word, that you would show us what is true. I pray, Lord, especially in view of the event on Tuesday, It would please you to rule the hearts of your servants, the president, the governor, our lawmakers, our town selectmen, our judges and justices, and all others in authority, that they would do justice and love mercy and walk humbly before their God. Pray that you'd watch over all those who serve in the armed forces, that you'd shield them in danger and adversity, that you'd cause war to cease in the world, that you'd give all nations unity, peace, and conquered. We pray that you would show mercy on all prisoners and captives. You'd watch over refugees and the homeless and the hungry. That you'd bless all those who are desolate and oppressed. That you'd protect the unborn and their parents and preserve all women in childbirth. That you'd care for those who've lost children or face infertility that you provide for young children and for orphans, that even this week, Lord, you would visit all the lonely and those who grieve, that you would strengthen all who suffer in mind, body, and spirit, that you would comfort with your presence those who are failing and infirm, that you would strengthen those who stand, that you would encourage the faint-hearted, that you would raise up those who fall, and that you would beat down Satan underneath our feet. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lord Jesus, hear us. And have mercy on us this morning as we come to you. Thy will be done among us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can open your green books now, and we're going to sing a couple of more songs before we go to the Word together. You can open to number two, 202 in the green book, Is He Worthy?
2: we do is all creation groaning it is is a new creation coming it is is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst it is Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah Conquered the grave. He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? truly love us he does does the spirit move among us he does and does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those he loves he does does our God intend to dwell again with Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue he has made us a kingdom and priest to god to reign with the son is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor
1: 216 how deep the father's love that whole question of is he worthy is is there anyone able to save is there anyone able there is is one and it's Jesus he's worthy and he's able
2: How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That he should give his only Son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns his face as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon a cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed i hear my mocking Among the scoffers it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished I will not boast in it.
1: I gain just the voices.
2: Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His
1: wounds have paid my ransom. Amen. You may be seated. You can turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John in chapter 12. Uh, We read a long section in this passage earlier in the service. We'll focus in on a shorter uh, section of it this morning for our sermon. We're in John because today is Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday And uh, it's the first day of what Christians have traditionally set aside as Holy Week, on which we remember the events of the week during which Christ was crucified, arrested, crucified, died, and was raised. (laughs) And so on Palm Sunday, we remember Christ's entrance into Jerusalem, his glorious entrance into Jerusalem, on his way to the cross. On Thursday, Monday Thursday, we'll remember the Last Supper, the night that Jesus is betrayed and arrested. Uh, and then Friday is Good Friday, on which we remember around three o'clock on Friday afternoon, the death of Christ, the crucifixion from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then of course, Easter Sunday, right? Where we remember the resurrection of Christ early on that first day of the week but we're getting ahead of ourselves today's palm sunday and kevin read for us an extended section in john 12 including the triumphal entry right it's palm sunday because when jesus came into jerusalem he was greeted as messiah right we read these words what were they saying hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord even the king of israel right this is our Messiah, this is our Savior, this is the one who's going to deliver us from the Romans, this is our victorious king. And what did they throw down in front of him as he rode in on a donkey in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy? Palms, and they're very close. they're putting on the ground, they're laying a red carpet for the victorious king. Right? And to all appearances, for the average observer, this is Jesus' moment of glory, right? The triumphal entry. This is triumph, right? And now he's going to enter into Jerusalem, and if our expectations are right, he's going to topple all of his enemies, and probably by the end of the week, he'll be sitting on the throne in glory. And that is not the glory that Jesus enters into. I want us to see this morning that the glory of Jesus at the end of this week, the glory that Jesus, as we're gonna read, is preparing the people and preparing the disciples to understand is not the glory of Christ seated on a throne, it's the glory of Christ hung on a cross. We're going to focus this morning not so much on the glory of the triumphal entry, but of Jesus' words in preparing the crowds and preparing the disciples to understand the true glory, the real glory of this week, which, yes, is resurrection. But this morning we'll focus on the glory of the cross. The glory of the cross. Let's read our passage together and then we'll pray. We won't read the whole thing we read earlier. I want to start this morning in verse 27, John 12. This is Jesus reflecting to the people after his entrance into Jerusalem. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now, now, is the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out and I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, please speak now as we come to your word. Holy Spirit, please open up these words that we might understand them. Holy Father, show us your Son that we might see him, that we might see his glory, that we might see your glory. Enlighten our minds now, O light of the world, that we would see your glory and be drawn into it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 27, Jesus utters words which are strange words for a triumphal king. Now is my soul troubled. He's just been greeted as the victorious Messiah, and yet his soul is troubled. Now is the moment of his glory, and yet he's troubled. In verse 23, he tells his disciples something interesting. He tells them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, if you keep in mind the rest of the context of the Gospel of John, you'll know that time and time again, Jesus has told his disciples, the hour is not yet. The hour is not yet. The hour is not yet. Right? As early as the, we- the wedding at Cana, right? when Mary asked Jesus to help with the wine, he said, the hour is not yet. My hour has not yet come. Now, for the first time, he says, my hour has come. This is my hour, and specifically now, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. But he's not talking about the triumphal entry, and he's not talking about a throne. Verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is saying, Now is the time for my glory, and it's going to come through my death. So no wonder, even in this hour of glory, Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. Jesus, we understand to be true God and true man, truly God, truly man, and in his humanity, truly troubled at the prospect of the cross, at the prospect not only of suffering and flogging and death, But at the prospect of bearing the sins of the world and the wrath of God. And what does he say in his trouble? What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. The death of Christ was no accident, the cross was no accident. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. This is the hour he'd been moving towards since the beginning of his ministry. This is the hour he'd been moving towards since his incarnation. This is the hour he'd been moving towards from all eternity. For this purpose I have come to this hour. And then again, glory, right? He said, this is the moment of my glory. And now he says, verse 28, Father, glorify your name. That the cross will be a moment of glory for the Son and a moment of glory for the Father. That it's in the humiliation and death of Christ that the Father gets glory, that the Son gets glory. And then this voice comes from heaven. And again, this is the culmination of this whole Gospel of John right? and of the Gospels. Three times we hear a voice from heaven at Jesus' baptism, at Jesus' transfiguration, and now here finally and culminatively at the crucifixion. A voice comes from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd's not sure what to make of this. Maybe it's thunder. Maybe it's an angel. And Jesus explains, this voice, "This voice has come for your sake, not mine." The Father's testifying to the Son. And then in verses 31 and 32, Jesus explains what's about to happen. And these two verses are we're going we're to focus on this morning. 31 and 32, where Jesus explains the glory of the cross. There's more we could say about what happens on the cross, what Jesus' intention is in his death, than what's here, but this is going to be a good place for us to start. How is it, this is our question this morning, how is it that the cross, that the death of Christ, is the glorification of Christ? How is Christ glorified in his death? What glory is there on the cross? And we're going to see this morning that there is great glory on the cross. Glorious judgment, glorious victory, and a glorious drawing of all people to himself. Okay? Glorious judgment, glorious victory, a glorious drawing to himself. We start with judgment. Verse 31, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. So what does Jesus mean by this? We ought not to think that Jesus is speaking here of the final judgment. The final judgment of the world did not happen on Holy Week. It has not happened yet. We await that day. But there's a kind of judgment that's coming, according to Jesus, on all of the world at the cross now is the judgment of this world what kind of judgment i think we'll find helpful commentary on this concept from Jesus himself earlier in the gospel of john john 3 and you'll know this passage at least the first few verses john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now listen to this, verse 19. This is the judgment. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world speaking of himself, the incarnate son of God, right? God himself, the light of all creation, has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. John explains this dynamic from a different angle in John chapter 1, right? Speaking of Jesus... In John 1 verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Here is God himself treading the earth. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. There's a rejection of Jesus that we see across Jesus's ministry, but which culminates, of course, in the crucifixion. This is the ultimate rejection of the light of the world. The light of the world brought under judgment. The light of the world crucified God on a cross. This phrase, now the judgment of this world, was opened up for me when I read the words of one commentator who says, basically, the people who judged Jesus, the people who sentenced Jesus to death, thought they were bringing judgment on Jesus, and they were, but in bringing judgment on Jesus, they were actually pouring judgment on themselves. They're passing judgment on themselves. They're revealing what's really in their hearts when they crucify God. And so I think there's a couple of kinds of judgment that go on here in the cross. One is a kind of judgment that actually speaks to what we all have done in our sin that the cross is the picture of the ultimate rejection of God. God showed up and the world said, we don't want any of this. We're not interested in hearing what you have to say. And friends, actually on some level, we're all the ones who stood there saying crucify him because we all by our sins say, I'm not interested in having Jesus on the throne because he's rather inconvenient. And I'd much rather he not be around. This is what we do in our sin. I'm not interested in God. I, it's my throne. We've all crucified our king. So in, in, on one level, the, the cross actually speaks a word of judgment over all human sin. It's the ultimate picture of what we have done in rebelling against our God. But there's another way that the cross judges the world and and this is, a, this is a sort of a... The cross makes a discrimination between two, t- two kinds of people because there's two reactions to the cross. And Jesus speaks about this with this whole light metaphor, right? The light has come into the world and there are those who see the light and love the light. And there are those who see the light and hide in darkness. There are, th- there are those... Now, on one level, we all start out in darkness. You can only do two things with Christ. You can embrace him or you can reject him. There's no middle ground. You can love the light and follow the light or you can hide your face from the light and reject him. And so that's another kind of judgment. As as Christ is lifted up, our very hearts are put under the microscope. As Jesus is lifted up, he leaves us no excuse. What will we do with this Savior? What will we do with our God? Will we embrace Him? Or will we reject Him? Will the light draw us in? Or will we hide in the darkness of our deeds? Now is the judgment of this world. It's the first strange, peculiar glory of the cross. The second peculiar glory of the cross glorious victory a moment that looks like defeat is actually jesus's moment of victory verse 31 now is the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out so jesus says what's going to happen on the cross is that the ruler of this world will be cast out so this raises a lot of questions What is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Let's start with that one. Who is the ruler of this world? Satan, Satan. right. He's referring here to Satan. Um, This title is attributed to Satan elsewhere. Paul uses this title to refer to Satan. Um, This is the enemy, this is the deceiver. The ruler of this world. In what sense is Satan the ruler of this world? Should be careful here. We must not attribute to Satan what belongs only to God. God alone is sovereign over all things. The ultimate ruler and sovereign over all things, over this world, is God. But Satan does, in some sense, rule the world. How? When did it start? And what is the nature of his power? Go back to the garden, right? Back to the garden, what is is Satan's scheme? He deceives, right? Through temptation, through the lies of his mouth, he leads Adam and Eve astray. And they're tempted to doubt the word of God, no longer to trust the word of God, no longer to allow God to be king over themselves, but instead to take things into their own hands, to turn from God, and to make themselves the masters of their fate. And they disobey God. And so the New Testament speaks of actually the whole world, everyone who's not in Christ, as actually being in some sense under the power of the prince of the power of the air. of of satan if we have not had minds enlightened by the truth of christ we are deceived by the lies of satan whether we know it or not those who are in rebellion against god report to satan whether they know it or not because they're under the influence of his lies and so what is the what's the intention of satan in doing this Scripture tells us Satan's intention is to steal, kill, and destroy. What did he want for Adam and Eve? He wanted them to die, right? He points them down the road to self-destruction and says, run, right? And he says it's a beautiful way, right? He says this is the better way. But Satan's intention in deceiving human beings into sin and rebellion is that in sinning and rebelling against God that we would die. Satan hates God, hates his creation, hates you. He wants you dead, okay? And Jesus says on the cross, he's gonna do something about this. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Notice he says cast out, he does not yet say destroyed. Jesus' revelation to John speaks of a day that is coming when Satan will be finally, ultimately destroyed. On the cross, Satan is not destroyed, but he is dealt a death blow, or in the words of Colossians, he's been disarmed. He's been disarmed. Turn with me to Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. This gives us a... a, a greater understanding, I think, of what Jesus is getting at in terms of what effect the crucifixion has against the kingdom of Satan. Colossians 2. He's speaking here about the the work of the cross, the effectiveness of the cross in the life of the Christian. Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He describes we've been forgiven through the cross. Christ has taken our sin and our death upon himself. It's been nailed to the cross. And in verse 15, in the next breath, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. How is it that Jesus disarms the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world? He disarms them by taking from Satan the one thing he has against us, the one thing which he can use for our destruction, right? What's Satan's plan to lure us into sin so that we would be guilty, so that we would die? And what does Jesus do? He bears our sins. The sin nailed to the cross, our death on him. And who now can condemn? We're free. Hallelujah. He's got nothing against us. He's been disarmed. This is the disarming of Satan. This is victory. You can see how we might be tempted to see the cross as a defeat. right? How even Satan might have been tempted to see the cross as a defeat, right? Here's the son of God, dead. That's what what I've wanted all along, right? But no, whether Satan realized it or not, this is actually the moment of Christ's great triumph because this is the moment in which Christ disarms Satan and delivers his people from any power he might hold against against them. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Two glories, the glory of judgment, the glory of victory, and now the third. And it's all building towards this. This, if we were to rank them as the greatest glory I think and I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself I this is Jesus I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself this phrase lifted up is pregnant there's so much here on the most basic level he's referring to being lifted up on the cross we're told in verse 33 he said this to show a kind of death by what kind of death he's going to die he's going to literally he's going to be lifted up to right? be elevated off of the ground on the cross but there's more here this phrase lifted up it's the same in the original language as it is in English in terms of its Having kind of a double meaning, it means lifted up physically, but also when you lift up something physically, you exalt it, right? Why do we have a cross on the top of the steeple? Right. We're lifting it up, right? This is what we lift high. Why do we put flags up high? You're right, saying this is what we're lifting up. We ex- we exalt what we lift up, and so Christ. And this is again, it's the gl- it's glory and. Humiliation at the same time, right? It's his humiliation that is his glory, right? In being lifted up on the cross, he's lifted up as victorious king. It's being lifted up. But there's even more than that, because this is not the first time Jesus has spoken about being lifted up. John 3, again, this time just before verse 16. John 3, verse 14. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, so he, Jesus, must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so here, we're, we're referencing this phrase back to Jesus in John 3, and now Jesus is referencing lifted up all the way back to Numbers, You don't have to turn there Um, you can if you want to maybe this week as homework read numbers 21 and read about this account of uh, moses and the serpent in the wilderness but the situation is this that god had brought judgment on his people in the form of fiery serpents there's these snakes that are biting the people and they're dying and the people go to moses and they say, please pray to God. Please intercede for us so that we might live instead of die. And what God commands Moses to do is to take a stick and to put a, to sort of carve this snake around it. It's bronze. And, um, and to hold it up. To hold up this snake. And that if the people look at it after they've been bitten, they'll be saved. They won't die. This is the instrument of god's mercy that moses holds up this stick with a snake on it and this is kind of the this is the anti-venom right though you've been judged though you're condemned if you look you live right and moses lifts it up i imagine he had it as high as he could go right as many people see this right and live and so jesus says in john 3 as moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness look and live so must the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Not anti-venom for a snake bite, anti-venom for Satan's bite. Anti-venom for sin and death in Jesus by looking at him in faith. And so it's in light of all of this that Jesus says in John 12, verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, hung on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. This is the glory of the cross. This is why we put pictures of torture instruments all over everything we have. So the cross on our bulletin in our church and around our neck. It would be a pretty strange thing if you hadn't read the New Testament. We hold this up wherever we can because we know that it's in looking to Christ on the cross that we are saved. And notice that it's merely in looking. What did these people have to do with as the snakes were biting them. Just to look. Just to look. Just to hear what Moses said. Look and be saved. Look and be saved. Look and be saved. Right. And in the same way we cry, look and be saved. Look, here is Christ. Here is your Savior. Here is eternal life. Look, look and be saved. Run to Him. Put your faith in Him. Bow the knee to him and be saved. And this is the message that we carry. This is the message that we proclaim. Christ crucified. Look and live. Not just another week, but for eternal life. And not just to go on living, but actually to be drawn to him. Right? What does Jesus say? I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Right, so Christ is held up as crucified before the world, and the world is commanded, look and live. This is the gospel, right? Look and live. And what does Jesus do for those who look and live? He draws us to himself. Forgives us. Cleanses us by his blood. And draws us into fellowship with God. It's the gospel of reconciliation actually bringing us back into, the fel- into fellowship with God that we'd lost in the garden and bringing us back to this hope of actually eternal life in the presence of God forevermore. I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And you see, it's the cross... It's the crucifixion of Jesus, which is the instrument of God to draw people to himself. It's the death of Christ which reconciles us, our sin on on his shoulders, our death upon him that we might live. And so this morning, if you are not a Christian, Hear the call of Jesus from the cross. Isaiah 1, 18. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Friends, the light of the world is shining upon us even this morning as we come to the word. Jesus has now been publicly portrayed before us as crucified. And it is on us now to respond. The light is among you for a little while longer. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Have you believed in the light? Have you looked to the cross? Have you come to Christ in faith if you have not come today? Come today. There it is, eternal life. Reconciliation with God. Life forevermore. There, look and be saved. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. And for those of you who know Jesus... The call is actually the same. It's not a one-time deal. After the first time we come, we have assurance we can save, right? We can. But it's not like that's the last time we come to Jesus. It's not like that's the last time Jesus uses the cross to draw us again to himself. Our any growth we're going to see in Christ's likeness, any growth in maturity in the Christian life is going to come by daily, hourly regularly grounding ourselves in the love of God as displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. Right? Again and again and again and again and again and again, God reminds us, come to me. Come to me. It's been paid. It is finished. It is done. Time and time again, he draws us with his love As soon as we begin to forget the cross, as soon as we begin to forget the grace of God in Jesus Christ, our Christian life becomes about works. It becomes about what we're bringing to the table, and it's going to become dry and stale. And I would encourage you, if if this morning your Christian walk is dry, if your prayers are cold, if you feel like you're floundering, if you feel like you're overwhelmed, look to the cross. Look to the love of God in Jesus Christ. This is the fountain that never runs dry. Drink and never thirst again. And keep drinking. Be greedy with the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Come to the fountain. Come to the table. Again and again and again. And feast with Jesus. Don't get bored of the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There, a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever. Is that true of you? May that be our prayer. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Here we see Christ in glory, in judgment, in victory, drawing all people to himself. Let's pray. Father, draw us. Jesus, draw us. Keep us near the cross. Let not our hearts grow cold. Let not our prayers grow dry for want of the water of the grace of Jesus. Keep us near the cross. We know there is no power in the Christian life. We know there is no power for victory over sin. We know there is no power for growth and maturity. We know there is no power in our evangelism. We know there is no power in our teaching or in our service or in anything that we do if we are not daily, always besotted with the love of God in Jesus Christ. Keep us near the cross. Even now, Father, as we come to the Lord's table, remind us sweetly by your Spirit of the love you have poured out. Remind us of the forgiveness you have given. Remind us of what is so firmly and finally and eternally nailed to the cross that we bear no more. And enable our hearts to sing with joy, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. You pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Let's see. uh, Kevin and Dean come forward at this at this time, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Um, I'd like to make a couple of notes just as we come to the Lord's table. Reminders that I like to give us every time we come. Um, One is just uh, to remind us what Paul warns us in his first letter to the Corinthians. Um, that we should examine ourselves before we come to the table. The, the joy and the benefit of this table is great if we come in true repentance and in living faith as Christians. Uh, but Paul warns us that the danger of coming to the table is also great if we receive these gifts unthinkingly or casually. Paul actually warns us that if we do so, we become guilty of profaning the body and the blood of Christ and eat and drink to our own condemnation. So I want to encourage you this morning to examine yourselves, ask yourselves even now. Are you in the faith? Are you a Christian? And if you're a Christian, if you're walking with the Lord, repenting of your sin, trusting in Christ, at peace with his people, come. Come to the table. Come boldly to the table. This is your inheritance. And if you're unsure of your faith or you're standing with God, if you're not a Christian, I'd encourage you to refrain from coming forward to the table. And I would encourage you, if you're seeking this, if if Jesus is seeking you this morning, please come to me or, or to one of the leaders of the church. We'd love to talk about that. I like to say always when we come to this table that this table is not about what we bring to it. It is not about what we've done. It is a proclamation of grace, of the grace that God has shown us in the redemption of the world by the death of Jesus Christ and by his resurrection. He humbled himself to death on a cross for us sinners, who lay in darkness and in the shadow of death, that he might make us children of God and exalt us to everlasting life. And it's because of his great love for us that our Savior Jesus Christ has instituted and ordained that we who are his should eat this bread and drink this cup as a pledge of his love and a remembrance of his death. So That's what we do when we come to this table. you proclaim this, the Lord's death until he comes. I encourage you to take a moment, if you need it, to pray and reflect. And when you're ready, come up this side aisle and um, receive the elements. Feel free to either to eat them here or to take them back to your seat. If you need some assistance and someone to bring you the elements, just raise a hand and we'll find you. So hear the invitation. Come, all who are hungry, all who are sinners. Come, all who look to Christ. Come, all who belong to him. Come and feast at the table of your Savior. Come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise Praise the the Lord. Lord. Christ Jesus, our Savior, died. He rose from the dead in glory. He ascended to the Father where he sits and reigns.